1: Welcome to the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Joe. Hi, hello. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to remind you all to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you do your listening. Remember, if you have questions or suggestions, you can get a hold of us nerds via email. That's professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Insta, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. With that, Let's get into my interview with Ore Agbaje Williams. My guest today is a British Nigerian writer and book editor from London. Here to talk about her first novel, The Three of Us, out May 16th, it's Ore Agbaje Williams. Ore, welcome.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: I am so excited to get the chance to talk about your debut novel, The Three of Us. And to kick us off, would you mind telling my listeners? a bit about it
2: oh okay let me uh do the the pitch I've been practicing um yes. <laughs> or the pitch that my friend told me to use because my other one is too long um <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that
2: <laughs> it is about um it asked the question essentially of what would you do if your partner and your best friend hated each other um and it's set over the course of one day and uh it shows the perspectives of the wife um the husband and the best friend and uh they are drinking a lot of alcohol and um, they are saying therefore a lot of things that they really do mean about each other and to each other. Um, And it also asks questions of sort of like, who really gets to decide what the truth is? Does innocence really exist? Um, And it also um, just plays a little bit of fun with like some cultural things, like some cultural references. And in as much as it does ask some serious questions about like what you would do if that situation really happened, it is also, I hope, quite fun and enjoyable as well
1: absolutely it's it's also beautiful and i always like to start off at the jump that like it's a it's a good quick read like you have presented everything in you know i love a weekend book i love a book that you can go finally i have some me time and you can pour a glass of wine and keep yourself with yeah. the characters <laughs> in the book yeah. But it also, like you said, it asks so many important questions. I am the kind of terminally single friend. And so I often wonder, like, what if, what if my best friend's (laughs) husband hates me? What if he's like, this guy's always around and he's always (laughs) in our business because I I can relate to this. Then I was like, oh, uh, if I had people in my life like this, I might not be yeah. in their life anymore <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so you have plopped us into the middle of just one day in a very long relationship clearly between husband wife and the wife's best friend temi how did you decide to tell this story in the course of just one
2: day Ooh, okay so there's the there's the fancy literary answer and then there's the <laughs> realistic answer the realistic answer is i'm lazy um <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's, the, that's the realistic answer Love that. Um, but I also think I kind of like the idea of a bring a pressure cooker situation that everything is boiling over at this point and this is like the a do or die situation and that people are desperate and I think um something that at one point my US editor wrote is that they're they're all vying for their positions they're all trying to make sure that they get their point of view across that they get to be the one who was like triumphant and I thought um the most like well, slightly toxic and um, (laughs) Ted's way that that would occur is over the course of one day. And also I like the progression of people getting more and more drunk and then starting to say more and more things. (laughs) I love the idea. So I was like, "Mm, over the course of one day, that works quite nicely.
0: The
1: like drunk thoughts, sober mind. Yeah. Yeah, something like that, (laughs) however that phrase (laughs) works. But right, I mean, yeah, I guess if we're going to be literary, the whole in medias res of it all, I love the idea of just like, you can tell from the start, all of the tension that has been building over the years, but then you crank it up just a few more notches with that alcohol, and as the day takes (laughs) us through yeah we really know how everyone feels yeah (laughs) (laughs) now we have just three characters and of course also with the timeline you have some flashback moments uh but how did you get into crafting your characters, since they are like the vessel and the vehicle for this story
2: I think and this oh well this doesn't spoil anything for anybody but um I think some, some people might be upset by this because people have told me very strong feelings I have about Temi but Everyone is kind of crafted around Temi, um, so like the best friend and her kind of pacifism is crafted around Temi, and the book begins with Temi, and it also with Temi. Um, so, <laughs> um, so you know, um, I don't know why I'm out that because it's really, really clear what I just said. <laughs> Right. That was right. So, so I mean, pointless.
1: hey, we're audio only, so yeah, no, no, no oh, one, no. no one heard it.
2: Um. So um, yeah, like I thought. Um, just people's reactions to her and the way that they respond to her and how people would respond to somebody like that with that sort of, I suppose, bigger of a personality. Um, it all sort of came around to her. But then also I was thinking to myself, like, as the husband, how would you respond if, you're, if you were in a situation like that? If you were the partner, how would you respond? What would your reaction be? Um, especially as someone who probably considers himself very measured and very sensible and very rational. Um, and I just thought people, how people would react to her and that her being in that kind of situation would be so interesting. Um, and I think also then, after I had that kind of framework in mind and I knew that she was going to come at the end as, like, the big showy person. Um, that I was like, okay, what are these people? What are these people like? Who are they? And then I started to build around them more individually as well, which I think was really helpful. And I know that my editors appreciate it.
1: <laughs> Definitely. And I mean, <laughs> Temi is one of those people that you, you know what she's like. She mm. has a big personality, a strong personality, and she's also not afraid of confrontation. And when mm. you put like, like a lot of us hold one of those characteristics, but mm. when you put all <laughs> of those together, that's where you go, ooh, okay, if <laughs> you hate me, I'm done for, <laughs> but, it, but you know, like someone who is afraid to call you out on your own nonsense mm. is a good friend to have. Mm. But when you see this, um, you know, the husband is very careful and measured, and, and he's also very traditional in so many ways. So I feel like he's also missing the chance to just go like, oh, well, that's Temi. Or, oh, what is she bringing up here?
2: Mm.
1: Now, what was your decision behind only giving a name to Temi?
2: Ah, okay. So <laughs> this is another one. has two options. <laughs> um <laughs> Well, this one is, was less lazy, actually, because I did try. Um, at the beginning, oh. I was just like, Temi is the one. And in the wife section, I just, I don't know. I, I was trying to think of a name for the husband. and I was like, mm, I don't have one. There's nothing that's fitting him. Mm-hmm. I went through like all the Yoruba names that I could think of. like, And I was like, I can't think of anything. And then I thought to myself, actually, these are two people who to each other, think of themselves as their roles. This is my wife, this is my husband, this is the role that they play in my life as the wife, as a husband and nothing more, which is perhaps why they don't really see each other as anything more. The reason why she can't see him as anything other than a means to an end to a calm life and he can't see her as anything more than a means to an end as status and like having children, that kind of thing. Um, And then for Temi, That is her friend. That is who that is. That is the person that she knows as her friend. And that is the role that she plays in her life. And then the husband is just like, that's all you are. You're just a husband and they come and go. So you have no other significance or importance. Um, But yeah, so it started off as just like, I cannot think of another name for you people. And then it was like, actually, but this works out because that's exactly the way that you see each other. Um, and I also kind of wanted to do a little play on the idea that, you know, when people first get married and they're like, oh my gosh, my husband, and like, oh my gosh, it's so funny that I just said that. Ha, ha, ha. And you're like, it's not that funny. You just had a whole wedding so that you could do that. So, right.
1: <laughs> you had a whole day. You had 17 yeah, parties <laughs> leading up to it. We get it. It's not
2: that funny. It's not that exciting. It's exciting for you, but whatever.
1: <laughs> right. That was your fiance. Now that is your husband. We get it. Get over it. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> but that's that's such an amazing point because right like temi is she is the spark she is what's making their calm life unsettled but Mm. she's also what is calling out that they are just playing roles like the Mm. two of them have become characters in their own life and the the conflict is all in response to one person and i love this idea of building a story a narrative about other people around one person mm. what what inspired you like where where did this idea come from and and how did you build on it
2: so the idea came from a conversation with my best friend grace who the book is actually dedicated to um I had just started seeing a guy who I am no longer seeing <laughs> um, but like, for various reasons. Um, but I had just started seeing Isn't him it always. at the time, honestly, at the time I was like, oh, I really like him. And she was like, <laughs> "She." I have to preface by saying she is possibly the loveliest person I know. So this was just her being like kind of hilarious. She was just like, oh, now you're going to get a boyfriend. I'm never going to see you. You're going to talk to him all the time. And I was like, Grace, no, um, he has to understand that you come first. And it was a half joke, <laughs> and um, then I thought to myself, "Huh, actually, what would happen if you know someone's best friend and their partner really didn't get along, and that kind of thing happened?" And I, I started with, the, I started with the exact same line that starts the book. Temmy comes over at twelve, um, and I think I was saying to me yesterday, I think the first few lines are exactly the same as I wrote them when I first wrote the book, wow. um, because the idea that yeah, the idea that it starts with her and she arrives and this whole thing—that's how you know. It's begun because she's arrived. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, the, the idea sort of just came from there. And the moment I had the idea of Temi in my head and I just sort of built on her and built on her. Um, it just kind of all grew from there. And it's funny because some of my friends love to think, Grace included, which makes no sense because she's honestly one of the nicest people I know. Um, they all, some of my friends think that Temi is inspired by them. or like, oh, Temi's me, isn't it? And I was like, no, because if she was you, I don't know if we would be friends or.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> um, it's that like, the the risk of being an author is everyone in your life is going to think oh that character's me isn't it good or bad (laughs) that character's me but I I think Temi is like probably all of your friends pushed into one in that way that like this person does I've been doing a lot of like gratitude and self-reflection lately and I go what about the people in my life can I pull the things I'm missing from Mm. you know like where do Mm. I need a little more of this person's like outward courageousness how do I take this person's um like reflection on the importance of their own time and you know just kind of blend that together and I think this is a great way to see like the things that you love (laughs) and the things you want to work on (laughs) (laughs)
2: exactly exactly
1: (laughs) how long did you spend on this book
2: I don't know why for every question you ask me I have two answers so the the technical answer is about a month But that's just that was just the first draft. And the first draft was a lot shorter than the current book is now. And I was doing it during something called NaNoWriMo, so National Novel Writing Month. However, I got signed to my literary agent in 2018 and I wrote this book in November of 2020. So she signed me with a completely different book. Um, and when she sent me, and when I, and then I finished that book, finished writing that book, she sent me editorial notes, and then I was like, mm, I'm bored, <laughs> and, <laughs> and she was like, uh, okay. <laughs> um, and then I went through maybe another three or four ideas, some of which I wrote a lot of, some of which I didn't write that much of. Um, so I count those two years as part of the process because if I hadn't gone through that process and I think during that time I was writing what I thought other people would enjoy and I was an editor at the time as well so I was I was writing what I thought would sell really well rather than actually enjoying what I was writing and when this idea came and I sort of found the voice that I liked that worked for me that's how I knew it felt a lot more natural. I also finished writing it, didn't read through it and then just sent it off to her on the, like the 23rd of December, which was really rude in hindsight, but she didn't look at it until January.
1: <laughs> but you were also like, I got to get this out of here.
2: Yeah, cause she was like, saying, oh, all we need is a first draft. And I was like, that's great for you, hun, but I have to write it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but had she not, to be fair, had she not been like, we just need a first draft and been like kind of firm about it, I probably would have just been flailing around, twiddling my thumbs up till now. Um, but I think that helped to give me like a push of like, you better do something otherwise.
1: <laughs> it's it's so amazing how the behind the scenes works. I mean, uh, something I want to return to is is your mention of writing what you thought would sell or writing what other mm. people were doing to kind of like match the trends. But yeah. um, first, I want to return to NaNoWriMo. How When did you start kind of like pushing yourself for trying NaNoWriMo?
2: Um, Well, my friend had told me about it. A friend of mine who's also a writer, she told me that she had been thinking of doing it for her second book. Um and I was like, a thousand words a day, girl, we have full-time jobs. What are you talking about? Right. (laughs) I was like, I don't, I don't think so. Um, but she was like, you don't have to write a thousand words a day. You can just write whatever you can do, that kind of thing. So I was like, okay. And then it just so happened, honestly serendipitous that I had the conversation with my friend, had started seeing this guy, had the conversation with my friend in all in November, like the beginning of November. And then I was like, oh, well I suppose I can do it now. Um, And that really helped. And some days I did not write a thousand words. Sometimes I would literally open the document, write the word and update the tracker and then put some again.
1: <laughs> hey, you, you got to meet yourself where you're at. Like that's, exactly. that's human. Those
2: days. Um, but it did feel satisfying every now and again to be like, oh, I wrote a thousand and five hundred words today. I'm gonna update that tracker and it looks really cool, even right. though it wasn't even a public profile. So nobody was giving me a clap on the back except for myself. And I also think that the friend I was doing it with, she stopped doing it like a week in, I think. So I was just doing it on my own. But and now you're like giving me I'm the incentives. The... Exactly, exactly. So it's really helpful. Um, and it's it's amazing actually, because I didn't realize how many people knew about NaNoWriMo until both my UK and US publishing teams were like, yeah, we're going to use that in their bio and stuff. And I was like, why? <laughs> Do people know about that? Is that a thing? <laughs> but it's a big thing.
1: It's a big thing, especially for the like um, 2010s YouTube crowd. NaNoWriMo yeah. was a big uh, yeah. online existence or like the, the Tumblr, Tumblr girlies from then as well. Oh my gosh, uh- <laughs> yes. Oh, Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be mad at that. Yeah. Have you tried NaNoWriMo again since then? Of course, and I've got a
2: I I have made an account for book two. Um, I've made like a new project thing for book two. Um, I haven't updated it as yet, um, which will tell you everything you need to know about how book two is going. <laughs> um, but we'll get there. We'll get there. It's a process. It's a process. It's fine.
1: It worked for you the first time. You're going to exactly. test a bunch of things until you find what works for the second.
2: Exactly. And... For some reason, I don't know why i become super ambitious, but I've actually extended the, or increased the word count for book two, even though I didn't meet it with the first book. So I don't know who I'm playing with. Like, I don't know why I'm joking around with myself, (laughs) Um, but I have increased the word count for book two um, by like 10,000 words. So that'll be interesting to see if I actually achieve that um, in the time I've given myself. (laughs) But we'll see.
1: (laughs) I love that. I love that. I mean, hey, (laughs) because that could turn into like, oh, well now I've gone way above that. I've hit it. Or like, oh, I didn't need all that. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. no matter what, you end up with a beautiful final piece. It's
2: true. It's true. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I love that this was kind of like the starting point that turned into such a great, such a great piece about relationships, about friendship, and about marriage. On the flip side, would you say that your work as an editor challenged you as a writer? Did it make it harder to to write? Um, or maybe took you a little longer to find your own voice because you were comparing to other voices or trends?
2: 100% yeah um I think people thought it would make it a lot easier because it'd be like well you know what makes a good book so you could just write it and I'm like if it was that easy uh I would have gone a long time ago and I would have had like 12 different bosses by this point because I would have all gone off to write bestsellers it's not so simple like it's so much easier to identify what works and doesn't work in a book that you are not attached to especially in any emotional way than it is to do it with your own work um i mean i can read stuff i write now and be like oh what is that but it's it's different from <laughs> it's different from saying oh i think you could bring out this more or bring out that more um even just like a funny story I love to tell is that my U.S. editor, Sally Kim, who is amazing, she identified something hilarious in the book when we did first early edits. She said, I don't know if it's a gag, but um, they actually currently go through 13 bottles of wine and a bottle of whiskey. I don't know that they would be standing up if that was <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah, I did not count. I did not count that. So obviously we whittled it down. But um, yeah, I was definitely thinking with my editor's hat on like, oh, this has worked in the market and this could be good. And therefore, because this has been a bestseller, something like this and this, or like, you know how sometimes we write, um, we see uh, pictures like so-and-so meets so-and-so. And it's like two of the biggest selling books of all time. And you're like, you obviously haven't written a book that is two of those things. But there's
1: like... no way you have combined <laughs> yeah. The Catcher in the Rye with The, uh, the Hunger Games. But exactly. if you have, I'll try oh, yeah. it.
2: <laughs> exactly. So I was just like, it's, it's a, I think, no um and when I was writing those things I didn't really like them and actually the book that my that I'd started writing I think I wrote like 20,000 words of um that I said to my agent that she said to me um I just don't get it and I was like uh, it's twenty thousand words. Could you try? Um, <laughs> um It People was a book I, th- I was trying to, to write. Yeah, it was in the style of like one day. It was like a one day style book, and I was like, that book is great, but that's not what yeah. I write. That's that's David Nichols is amazing. That that's his bag. It's not my bag. Right. <laughs> and I was like, I need you need to find what works for you. What feels natural when you're writing it, it feels like this is what you would say, or like this feels like your humor. This feels like something that you would want to read, um, and that you can put your name behind and you can t- happily talk about for two three years or for the rest of your life or whatever um and yeah I think being an editor I, I won't say it hindered me because it-, it helped in the end because it helped me to figure out what I shouldn't be doing <laughs> um but I was definitely I was definitely comparing my writing to others and being like well if it's like this then it will sell and if it's not like this then it won't or that kind of thing so um helped and hindered
1: yeah it gave you a delayed start as far yeah. as some of the creation but overall it, it sounds like it gives you a really good at least checkpoint or touchstone yeah. to go back to
2: exactly exactly
1: it is so wild to think of that though just the just the way that we describe books sometimes as far as like <laughs> it's this meets this like there's there's no way <laughs>
2: I was going to say the number of books I think I saw, even though I did say I wanted something like this number of books that I saw pitched as like something, something meets get out or like the literary get out. And you'd read it and be like,
1: "Mm." (laughs) like, well, it was a thriller.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it, it had a social commentary, but it, 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 it wasn't get out, but maybe that's because that's a film, and it's Jordan Peel, and I don't know how replicable that is. But you know, you did okay. I was good. I enjoyed it, but I, I wouldn't compare it to get out if I was you personally
1: <laughs> like, i will I will finish it, but
2: yeah, I, I would change this description. yeah
1: <laughs> this book is very close, claustrophobic even because you have such close quarters. You really want to kind of compare and contrast these characters to one another if you're taking the vantage point of the wife like the juxtaposition of temi compared to the husband like the polar opposites almost and and how did you plan the way that these character traits would kind of pair against each other what was your what was your process like what was note taking and planning and you know dropping in these different Um, traits
2: First, this is the first one that has only one answer. Um, <laughs> uh, I did not do much planning in the first draft. Um, actually, that's not entirely true. I did a bit, bit of planning. I wrote the wife's part just straight off. Um, I just sat down and kind of wrote as it came, as our different ideas came. So things have been cut from it and changed and things like that. Um, and then, and because her part, her part was a lot longer than it actually is now. And then I wrote two much shorter parts for the husband and the best friend. And I actually wrote some bullet points of what I thought I would write about in each part for the husband and the best friend before I wrote them. Because I was like, okay, that wife's part, that was a bit of a fluke. That, that sounds nice. And you read it back and you, you're okay with it. Or you've like scanned it and you're like, that's, that's all right. Um, but you, you should probably, that's not going to happen again. So you should probably write out what's going to happen. <laughs> um, and I guess in terms of building, I just, I was like, I need to get inside your head. And I think the two, the two things that help with that is in both the husband section and the best friend section are things that started out as notes that I then put into the book, which was, I picture our life like this. So there's a section where the husband does that and a section where Temi does that. Cause I was like, what kind of life do they for? or lives do they foresee for themselves with the best, with the wife? Um, and so I was thinking, I was like, okay, this is what they picture. And one of my editors was like, what about the wife? What does she picture? And I was like, but we don't know what she pictures and that's the whole point because she's supposed to be these two people to these two people and so if we say actually that she's this one person this is how she pictures her life then we kind of lose that mystery and we lose her vibe as the unreliable narrator we don't really know who she is who she's really playing off who that kind of thing um and so i like the idea of saying oh they the husband pictured this and Temmy pictured this and therefore like building uh, their personalities around that and saying this is the kind of person who wants x y and z Um, and there's a line that one of my editors really liked, which is, I think about what the husband thinks the wife will be doing. It's like, I don't know what she'll be doing, but something related to charity or something like that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Just like, ah, I don't know, something philanthropic. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Um, and so that really helped me to like build them out as characters. And then also having... Figured out what they're what they're like and what they like and don't like. I was then able to go back to the wife and say, if she's pictured like this, maybe I could do some kind of unreli- unreliable narrator thing here and make her say this or say something contradictory to what they're saying, so that she 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 sees herself <laughs> she sees herself differently. That's why I could never do the she sells seashells seashells twister.
1: Yep, nope, me either. <laughs> Not even gonna try. I think I've
2: done it once in my <laughs> life, and that was a fluke, and I was shocked at myself. <laughs>
1: That'll never happen again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, it was it was actually a lot of fun building those two characters. Um, and people's reactions to the characters have been hilarious. One book blogger, um, she called Temmie a witch, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs>
1: wow. Okay. Another person, yeah.
2: Another person said that the husband was like really pathetic and boring. And um, my sister in particular, um, I mean, she's not really a anymore. She's married for like four years, four more than four years. I should know that. But anyway, um, she she was like, oh, the wife just needs to make up her mind. And I was like, oh, you're, you're still fresh in love. That's why you think this way. Uh-huh.
1: Exactly. Because I mean, that's, that's what's so brilliant about this book because number one, what we were kind of just talking about as far as authenticity, you can tell that you believe in these characters in the story and in the reality of this, but then it also makes for such thoughtful commentary on how easy it is to lose yourself in being something else for other people because at Mm -hmm. the end of the day the wife she's just the wife like she's Mm -hmm. just the best friend she falls into this category or that category and like you said it doesn't matter what the wife wants or we're never going to know what the Mm -hmm. wife wants because it's more like who is she going to pick to be mm. that person for. Yeah. And I think that's such a brilliant thing that people need to be called on more often, that it's very easy to give too much of yourself away to the point that there isn't anything left of mm. you. Mm.
2: God, that was <laughs>
1: Hey, you pulled it out of me. So that's your
2: book. I need to read that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. I will uh, send that to every editor. Um yeah. <laughs> someone would like me to write, please. <laughs> um, but this also kind of marks similar to like some people saying the husband just need like your sister saying, the husband just needs to make up his mind, or he's oh, he's so boring, but he's very traditional. And he's just very much like, I don't know, this is just, I've only ever pictured this one way my life Mm. works since I was a kid and I never explored anything else. (laughs) But Temi is also the kind of like transactional, but even in looking at my notes saying that she is transactional, so is he. Like Mm. he wanted a wife to fill these roles and just like she has no name, you could put any wife in there as long as she's willing to make whatever the husband wants Mm. and she's just kind of stuck in the middle did this come from ever feeling yourself that you were stuck, stuck between expectations from one group, expectations from another and what you wanted for yourself?
2: Well, I am a serial or lifelong uh, member of the people pleaser club. <laughs> mm, <laughs> so, same.
1: <laughs> I feel it. That,
2: that includes doing things that you think will please people that you don't even know that they want. Um, you just like make up ideas of what you think people want you to be in your head and, um, And it's funny because my sister and I, our parents are both lawyers. And so for the longest time, and you know, a lot of Nigerians, um, especially who sort of grew up in the diaspora uh, or like second generation, third generation, they often become doctors or lawyers or um, engineers or something like that, or they work in finance something like that. And my sister sister studied creative writing and I studied English. And I remember our cousins being like, how did you swing that? And we were like, it's a great question. I don't recall our parents ever really giving much pushback. Um, and I think for a lot of them, and I guess for us at a time, you kind of like, ooh, we want to do like creative stuff. How do our parents feel about that? But the thing is, both of our parents were so good. I remember once, at one point, my sister wanted to be a fashion designer. And my parents were like, huh? But they supported her. They went to her, went with her to like the textile, uh, like events um, and exhibitions and whatever. They were really supportive, but we come up with our ideas of what we think people want for us. So we kind of then push ourselves into these roles and so in a way I think there is definitely a bit of a bit of me um a bit of me in the wife in that she you know she's created this role for herself and she has to be this person and this person but I think almost in all of us as well even with the code switching because she's kind of one way with her husband she's one way with her best friend um and she is kind of voiceless with her family, voiceless with her sisters. She drops out of the group chat with the kids because she doesn't want to hear anything about it. Like, she's <laughs> she's very much, um, she very much is just like, I can be this person and this person or I can be nothing. And I feel like these are the roles that I need to be. Um, but at the, in the same way, I think there's actually a bit of, each character and all of us, because I think a lot yeah. of people said, who's your favorite? And I'm like, I don't have a favorite. They're like my children. I don't have a favorite. Um, <laughs>
1: you can't, you can't kill your darlings. Like this is.
2: exactly, Yeah. Because, you know, even though the husband is, you know, he's very straight laced. But the fact is, he his intentions aren't bad. None of their intentions are bad for the wife. The wife's intention for herself isn't bad. She wants to be happy, she wants peace in her life. So do we all. The husband, he wants this family that he believes that this person also wants to have with him. And this is what he's been raised to believe that he should have and that he should want, and so he does. And so that's what, and he believes that his wife is this one person rather than this other person. So that's what he's trying to sustain. And Temi, she knows her best friend to be this person. She believes that you know they have these plans for each other and she just wants to make sure her friend stays true to herself. Some people could see that as a little bit weird, <laughs> um, and sure. you know, exactly. I get that, um, but I think they're all in pursuit of their own version of the truth, whatever that is, and they're both willing to do maybe tell more than others, uh, willing to do whatever it takes to get that. Um, and I think for a lot of us, that's 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 the same. You know, there are things that we believe in really strongly, and we're willing to do whatever it takes to sustain or uphold those truths and things that we want to achieve. And you know, when we support our friends, we're like happy to call our friends like this is not who you are or like why are you behaving this way things like that even base even in basic ways like after a breakup like come on you can't sit on the floor crying for that long you know you can get up and do these things or at least get up and go to the shower or something like that right please
1: eat some food that didn't come out of a can today
2: (laughs) exactly so yeah I think I think there's a little bit of that in all of us but I definitely think I pulled uh, certainly from parts of myself for each of each of the characters I think
1: you kind of mentioned some of it before how have you been feeling reading some of the reactions online have you been really looking into them because I I want to preface that by saying like I think anything that people take from this is that there are parts of all of these characters like you said in all of us so that also means there are going to be things that we're not happy to see about (laughs) ourselves because that's I mean that's the truth there are moments where I'm like well if if the wife was living more authentically she wouldn't be so different to these Mm. two people who she should be so close to and then I'm like yeah but you just don't like when you can't be authentic so yeah yeah, I mean (laughs) exactly how how have you been feeling just seeing the reception to your book
2: um honestly I've been I feel so grateful because I've worked in publishing and I know getting books out far and wide you can post stuff as much as you like people don't necessarily read it so I feel extremely privileged on the first time to see that anybody's even been reading it at all like taking the time out of their day like if I don't like a book after like the first two pages I'll put it down even if I purchased it like so um I really appreciate people reading it through um I have been so happy to see all the responses um people I think have had quite visceral reactions which I really enjoy um, people might have either said, like that, but that book blogger who was like, uh, Temmie is a witch, um, or people who've messaged me, like some of my colleagues who messaged me when I was working at HarperCollins Collins and they were like, oh my God, I hate this person, or like, why did you write this thing? Or <laughs> da, 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 like stuff like that. I just found funny. Um, some of my friends um who have read it and been like, this is hilarious. One of my friends messaged me and was like, I hope you don't have any friends like Temi. If you do, we need to talk. <laughs> oh. Um, and just also book bloggers being like, this was hilarious. And I'm like, I'm so glad you enjoyed the humor because I definitely pulled humor from like the way my friends and I talk to each other as well. So I'm like, if you get the humor, that makes me so happy. Um, and some of people who like specifically like Nigerian readers who read in, like, I love these cultural references that you put in here to this and this, that's made me really happy. And yeah, the, the, specifically the visceral reactions, people who are very much, they are very much on one team. I haven't yet seen anybody actually maybe one or two people who've been like, oh, I, I don't have a specific team, but there are definitely people who are like, I'm team Tammy or I'm team husband. And there is yep. no in between. <laughs> you've you've and I've made the new
1: team Edward and team Jacob. Yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 oh my gosh, yeah.
1: For everything smart, I can say, I also have to bring it back to Twilight. So it's the duality. <laughs> but
2: but <it's>, Twilight <laughs> is everything. So quite Thank frankly, you. it makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. A soundtrack shouldn't go that hard if it's not going to be everything.
2: Honestly, I think about that piano music all the time.
1: <sighs> Bella's lullaby. I, and to be fair, like I read it for the first time last year for the Mm. podcast and I saw the movies like back to back, all of them. And now my life has changed. So
2: it's an annual tradition. I I think I watch them maybe not, maybe not every single year, but maybe like every two or three years I rewatch the films because I'm just like, I kind of have to, you kind of have to. Do I skip past the one where Edward is in that Italy place and he goes to, is it like Mm -hmm. the the second one or the third one? It's the second one. Yeah. Yeah. When he goes to that maybe I skip past that that little bit just because I don't need right. to see it we know we know um, maybe
1: I don't need Bella's like several month depression maybe I can just
2: <laughs> I get it like I get it I know we've I been there but girl also, but like... like
1: come on <laughs>
2: <laughs> once was enough once was enough um but it it's a it's like a it's like a cultural reset it's like oh yes good good films and good books happen and this is the product of
1: it <laughs> you know the seasons have changed when you can hear the, the music in the background, like. Oh, it's, it's time to watch Twilight.
2: And when anyone puts on that Muse song, um, Super Massive Black Hole, I'm like, yep. oh, where's the bat? What's the <laughs> time bat? Time
1: to play baseball. Here I go. <laughs> well, listeners, this episode is not free from references of Twilight. Uh, someone reset the counter. <laughs> so I want to shift for a moment and talk about the formatting of your book. I would mm. be remiss if I didn't, uh, mm. because you've made such, a, I am such a sucker for like, Making your book different, anything Mm. that can kind of set apart from what we've been given, and we've been given a lot of beautiful work over the years. But, like, challenge me a little bit when I look at these words on the page, I want to have to see something different. And so, Mm. first, of course, you've broken the book into three sections, one from each character, kind of told in their voice. Um, since this novel relies so heavily on these three characters, how did you find each of their voices writing these sections?
2: Oh. That's a very good question. Um, <laughs> when I did interviews for jobs, my friend told me that when you need more time to think about questions, you should say, that's a very good question. <laughs> well, it works
1: on podcasts that's what I was and doing. it makes the hosts happy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, but that genuinely was a very good question. Thank um, you. how did I find their voices? I think the wife, I just knew she was kind of this like flat passive person immediately. And I knew that she was fascinated most by Temi. And so I thought when she writes about Temi, it's gonna be a little bit more energy. It's gonna be a bit more exciting. When she writes about her husband, it's gonna be like, one plus one is two because that's just the way things go kind of thing. Um, the husband, I wanted to have a tone of like complaining and annoyance because that's just what his whole vibe was. <laughs> He was annoyed at the beginning of the day when she wasn't pregnant. He was annoyed when he spilled some green juice on himself at work. He was annoyed when he got his email from his boss. He was annoyed when he realized his wife's friend had been there. He was annoyed, annoyed, annoyed. And Temi is what one of my friends, I can't remember which one, called an agent of chaos. And so...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, absolutely. she,
2: She is just like, I'm here to ruin your day. And I'm here to be honest with you. If you cry, that's your problem. I don't control your tear ducts. If you uh, like,
0: huh? <laughs>
2: if you um, if you're upset by anything I say, that's a you problem. I'm here to tell the truth. And if you don't like the truth, that's not my problem. And so I needed that. I wanted that like, I really could not care less energy coming from her, like on the page. Um and I think once I knew once I knew what their reactions to each other and to the situation in the day was, I was then able to be like, okay, this is the tone. This is who this person is. Um, and also I think specifically, I, I've learned something about myself. I think over the last few months, I actually complain a lot and it's really bad and I'm trying to stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think I probably channeled some of that. I love to complain energy into the husband. And I also channeled that if I could say anything I wanted, <laughs> I would channel that into Temi and my friend. <laughs> My best friend Grace, she says that when I am angry, I become more eloquent with my insults. And she says, So I was like, Ooh, I can infuse some of that into Demi <laughs> Not that I would say everything that she says, but you know, if I could, if I was that way inclined, I could, but I not If won, I, could.
1: I could, <laughs> right, I could do it, but I'm not gonna. Exactly, so be exactly. warned, it's in me. <laughs> I I love that and I I love to hear when authors are talking that their characters and the bits about them are just kind of like birthed the idea was there and then it exists on the page it was that I know this man wants to whine I know that everything (laughs) bothers him you know I know that she that wife is flat I know that Temi oh if I could say anything she's gonna be (laughs) it and And that seems that just makes everything to me like wrap up really beautifully. It feels powerful that way. Now we do see occasional breaks to look at the past to build these characters up, but it's almost, it's always, you know, like that added context, uh, like a flashback. And Mm. so why flashbacks? What, what made you want to still give us something because we are uniquely looking at like one day in these Mm. lives uh, what made you want to include? I think there's there's only a handful of them, mm. but why the flashbacks?
2: I felt like I needed to give a bit of context um to explain, in 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 a way, because obviously I want the readers to see the way that the way the characters, why the characters were the way they were through the book and like the present day. But I also wanted to say like this is the origin story of this friendship, and this is the origin story of this relationship, and. How they met might explain why they are the way now. Why they are, I don't know why I'm struggling to speak. Why they are the way they are now to you, <laughs> um, and similar way with the relationship um, with, between the, the husband and the wife as well. Um, and so, I thought, what will the readers need to see? What's enough that doesn't pull them too far out of the past the present, but gives them a little snippet of the past. So like when Temi and the, the wife uh, met, when Temi and um, the husband technically met, which is the same time the wife and the husband met, their initial thoughts of each other and how they, how long they thought these kinds of things would last. And also, I guess, getting snippets of the past. Um, and some of them have slight crossover in the uh, the snippets that they show to show like the different perspectives. Like the husband thought, oh, I don't really think that much of her, but I did think she was really pretty. I don't really pay much, that much attention to her friend. Um, and then the friend is like, um, I was like, this guy is boring as hell, but his sister is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, didn't think she and my friend, he and my friend would last, but here we go. <laughs> um, yeah, I, w- I wanted to give like a little bit of context. Um, and I think my editor was really helpful in helping me get that balance of not taking, giving us too much of the past so that we're not drawn out of the present. Cause they were like, the thing they kept saying was like tension, tension. And I was like, oh, I know, but how? <laughs>
1: No, absolutely. Because this also really lends to the it's one day kind of piece, because when you're with your friends all day, at some point you are going to have that reminisce or like, do you remember when that happened or that like just a wild guy we met while we were, you know, drunk on the street after shopping? (laughs) Like that's, it makes it so much more real that you're like, yeah, "Yeah, this happens. And you got some friends who do it a little too much, but (laughs) The other kind of form piece here, um, very few times where you use quotation marks, um, there's also very little to indicate speech. So with this Mm -hmm. kind of stylistic choice, you're forced to live in the character's reality, what's going on in their mind and what's being said to them. You're also forced to decipher their relationships and their thoughts. Mm -hmm. Why did you want to experiment with your kind of form?
2: I really wanted it to be an internal monologue of each character. And I wanted every character to feel like they are so insular in their own heads, that everything is just one long speech. Um, And I felt like if I separated it out, it would feel like they were telling a story, which they are in a sense, but it would be like telling a story rather than their story. And it needed to be their version of events. Um, because there's even a, an aspect in which you can question, does this character really say this? Because this character is saying that they do, but that doesn't mean that they necessarily do, or that they say it the way that they, they've they written that this person says it. Um, and it was interesting because at one point, uh, I think it's the scene, there is one scene where I do pull the, the tech, the speech out, which is the scene where the husband and the wife are yelling at each other, up from, she, he's upstairs, she's downstairs. And, um, I really wanted to keep it that way, but I was like, I can see that this would be very confusing if I don't pull this out. Um, and someone someone else did suggest uh, at one point when we were sort of going through the process of uh, the book being bought, someone did suggest, oh, you know, we could like pull some of the words out and add some quotation marks. And I was like, no. It no, no, would no. change
1: the whole thing. And that is exactly. what makes this such a cool read. I mean, not having those kind of paragraph breaks or line breaks or quotes, it really makes it easy to shift into into their minds you feel mm-hmm. like for this section of the book you are the wife you are the husband you are yeah. Tammy, and it, it's it's a lot to take in and it's it's really cool like it's a mm-hmm. it's it's just fun to be able to do that because you can place yourself there in in like the time you were stuck in the middle of an uncomfortable argument between a couple. Mm. And you're just like, Mm. Oh yeah, this is real. And, and also (laughs) that's what like that fight specifically going into their, the like yelling from up and down and, (laughs) you know, just, just the back and forth. You're like, you can, you can hear what's not being said Mm. because this time you've actually called out, like, this is what's being said, Mm. but we know what they all think like at this
2: point. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I love that. I love the motivation. (laughs) I love just going for it because
2: I I love seeing different. I love that. (laughs) That makes me so happy because that was the one thing I was like, oh, some people are not going to like this because I know that with um, and this is not comparing me to Sally Rooney at all. Sally Rooney is amazing, but um, I know that in particularly normal people, the one that was obviously a book that really, really blew up that people were really upset about the fact that she didn't have quotation marks and I was like what's funny is that you know where the quotation marks are supposed to go because you know who's speaking which means that you didn't really need the quotation marks did you
1: (laughs) exactly like be challenged this one time like take take it in and and I know some people yeah it's like I I just can't do it or it's uh xyz but give it a shot
2: (laughs) exactly and the one time I did go on Goodreads, I have not since gone on Goodreads to look at my book because <laughs> I just think it's it's not a good idea for my mental health. Um, <laughs> uh, I did see um, a lot of people who'd said um, this person doesn't use quotation marks. They don't pull out the quote. They And I was like, okay, not to be rude, but I'm going to disregard your review because you're only you're only talking about this specific point. You're not talking about the content of the book. Yeah, you're talking about like the the the, the way that I've written it rather than the actual content and that kind of thing so I'm like you are entitled to your opinion but your opinion is wrong
1: (laughs) you are you are allowed to read what you like to read so um, thinking on your writing process do you have a necessary setup like quiet music and is there also a snack and drink combo I I love to know what is essential
2: (laughs) oh I should get a snack and drink combo. I don't I have one. But I think everyone should get should. one. <laughs> yeah, yes. I did have to write a friend to tell me recently that I should drink when I write, and then another friend who was like, "Don't do that. You will become an alcoholic." And I was like, oh, "I don't think so. I think I'll be Brilliant. fine." <laughs> <laughs> we'll
1: possible. see what it's happens. <laughs>
2: um, but my setup is it's not quiet. I think. Well, it depends. If I'm editing. If I'm editing, uh, and that means like looking at editorial notes and then going back to look at the book and switching things around, I will usually have music with no lyrics or I will be in silence because I would need to focus and I'll need to like reread certain phrases. If I am actually just writing the book, I have a writing playlist, which consists of, this is gonna make me sound extremely basic. It consists of Tame Impala, Jungle, and uh, Karangbin, and all their (laughs) music just together. Basically, like all the albums, and I just press, sh- I just press shuffle. Um, and it's it's great because I know all the songs, so I'm not necessarily like listening to anything new. You're not digesting, and
1: yeah. It's exactly.
2: just and it has lyrics, but it's not anything that I'm like, and no shade to these artists because I'm sure your lyrics are fantastic, but I'm not listening for meaning in your music at that time, at least, anyway. Um, and I don't get sick of it. It's not like, oh, I've heard the song already, I'm gonna change it. I'm like, I'm happy to hear that song. I don't mind, like it's okay for me to hear that. Um So yeah, that's, that's okay for me, but I, um, yeah, I don't have a specific like writing setup in terms of my, uh, like where I write. Um, I I generally write at my desk. Um, but I don't necessarily, I can write from anywhere, (laughs) um, but I tend to write from my, uh, any, I can write from my bed if I need to. I did a lot of editing from my bed. I did a lot (laughs) of editing. I did a lot of editing from my, uh, um, I think I did some on planes, um, just as and when I could, essentially, um, just to get it done.
1: <laughs> no, totally. I mean, I've had a lot of people say, I need to be in a coffee shop. I need to be yeah. around other people. But I definitely fall in your camp of like, when I am working, I need I need either music that I mm. already know, so I am not really listening to it, but it's there with me. Yeah. Or if it's something more focused, I need mm. no sound.
2: Yeah. No sound yeah. whatsoever. Or
1: or, like, right, instrumental. I need that
0: yeah. zero
1: lyric background. <laughs> I need to, like, the old Panera soundtrack where they used to take um, popular songs on the radio yeah. and then strip all the lyrics out and make it, like, smooth jazz. Oh, oh. I, I know. It used to be the vibe. Now they just played top 40, but you could hear, like, since you've been gone without any vocals made into smooth jazz. that guitar. It's, it was a wild, it's just Spanish guitar going, and you're like, okay, <sighs> work, Kelly. Oh my
2: God. <laughs> what That could actually be a vibe—a Spanish guitar playing. That I'm kind of into it. I'm interested.
1: (laughs) I'm gonna call up the the corporate office of Panera and make some (laughs) make some suggestions.
2: (laughs) We need like a now this is music version, but like the Panera edition. Like
1: make the new version of Kids Bop, but just for smooth jazz of pop of top hits.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
1: (laughs) We'll take it offline. We'll figure it out. (laughs) Coming soon, listeners. (laughs) So this book really dives deep into the things we all hold kind of close to the vest, unspoken truths, frustrations, uh, things we hide from those we're close to, but in this one day it all starts to bubble up. What would you want readers to take away from the three of us?
2: Uh, A friend of mine asked me this question and he wasn't very happy with my answer. He was like, you write as a lazy. Um, (laughs) uh, If you're listening to I'm sorry, that was a terrible impression of you. Um, But (laughs) Uh, I don't have anything I would necessarily like for them to take away I would like for them to enjoy it but I have this thing which yeah, this is what he called lazy once I've written the book I think it no longer belongs to me it belongs to everybody who's reading it what you take away is up to you what you want to interpret is up to you what you want to believe is up to you a couple of people have been like oh you're working the book too and I'm like yeah and they're like is it a sequel and I'm like no and they're like "Well, what happens And I'm like you decide you get to read through all those pers- pers- perspectives <laughs> perspectives and decide um what you think has happened, who you think is telling the truth, are any of them telling the truth? What is truth? Who knows? Um, Just get yourself into a little existential crisis.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Think a little Um, too deep on it. Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
2: Um, So I, I, I think you take away from it what you want to take away from it. Um, I don't want to prescribe anything because I think, yeah, I think that book, the book belongs to the readers now. And if they want to take something from it, they can. If they just want to be like, I enjoyed that. That was cool and fun and then put it down. That's also okay. Um, I think it's very much about like whatever your experiences is, that's the experience you're supposed to have with it um, because it's, it's specific to you. And I, I don't want to tell anybody what that should be. Um, and I certainly don't, well, it's not even that I don't want to, I can't tell anybody who's telling the truth because I don't know. And that's not for me to decide.
1: <laughs> I love that approach that you've just been like, no, I created this and now it belongs to you. You're yeah. having your own journey with it and do with it what you will. And I would also really love the listeners to to take that away as well. Just mm. what you get from it was what was meant for you mm. when you read it. And I think, yeah. I think that's beautiful. Now to wrap us up, I like to wind down with some questions from a nosy podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> what are you reading or listening to right now?
2: Ooh, I have just started, um, and my friend Amara will find this hilarious because she recommended this to me ages ago, and I can't remember the name of the author, which is terrible. But I've just started a rom-com called Icebreaker, um, which is like a TikTok sensation. And I'm literally in a group chat about rom-coms. And I'm trying to think, I can't remember what the author's name was, which is which is really bad, but it's like a TikTok Hannah sensation. Grace. Yeah, and it's about these ice skaters. I yeah, I'm in a group chat. We love rom coms. We love, love, love rom coms. Um, and I was like, I do have a pile of books I just bought two piles in fact I'm literally looking at right now and I took off the top of the shelf because I was like that's shameful if I have them sitting right there and I haven't put them on the shelf yet um (laughs) I'm looking at the pile I'm like I should read one of those books um but but I I was like what I'm gonna do first I'm gonna read a (laughs) rom-com so I'm currently reading Icebreaker um but I literally started like two days ago so I'm not very far in um but I'm sure I'll probably finish that by the end of the week because I love how quickly I can read rom-coms and just how enjoyable they are. So um, yeah, that's what I'm reading at the moment.
1: I think that's perfect. (laughs) Rom-coms, so much fun. And there is nothing more real than having to move the stack of books out of frame for a Zoom call. (laughs) Believe me, I just bought uh, a book cart from Target here in the States uh, because I needed to be able to be like, the top shelf, these are authors that I'm going to be talking to. So these have to happen first. And the second is just like, here's what you've been saying you want to read, but has been living in a stack for a year and a half.
2: <laughs> Honestly, I said to my husband the other day, I was like, I will move those books. She's like, oh, I don't even see them anymore. I just move my eyes just move past them. I was like, okay. okay. They're
1: a part of the decor now. That's yeah. just background to me. <laughs> Are you binge watching anything right now?
2: Okay. So I just binged watched, um, Fleischman Violin. is in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, but I should do that. Yeah, I just binge-watched Weishmines in Trouble and um, the sad thing is and I'm so sorry um, to the writer I think it's, her name is Taffy Brodessa-Akna I think. I'm so sorry because I have the book. I didn't read it first. I will read it now I will read it now. I will. I actually will um, and in fact there are two copies because my housemate has one and I have one um, <laughs> so I will read it. I will. I actually will and I bought it with my own money because I wanted to read it Um but I didn't read it. And I just saw it was in Disney Plus because I just got a Disney Plus account. I was using a friend's on and I was like, it's time for me to get my own. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I saw Flashbacks in Trouble and or something. I was like, ooh, I haven't seen Jesse Eisenberg in anything in ages. And I took two things from this. Um, one, I really miss the, miss, I miss the dude who plays um, Lizzie Kaplan's husband. He was in How I Met Your Mother and I haven't seen him in anything since. And I was like, you got extra hot. I thought he was cute in the show, but now he has like a beard and stuff. And there's like a little bit of gray in there. And I'm like, mm, I'm into that. Um, I need to see Lizzie Kaplan in more things. I need to see, um, I was just about to call him Seth Cohen. I need to see Adam Brody in more things.
1: <laughs> in that telling.
2: <laughs> and um, Jesse Eisenberg blinks a lot. Like more than I realized. He blinks a lot. And I was watching the show and I was like, and then at one point, I was looking at his eyes so much, I was like, oh my gosh, my eyes are starting to hurt from watching you blink so
1: much. I'm tired now.
2: <laughs> He's an amazing actor. Um, and yeah, it was it was just a really, really good show. It was so frustrating to watch um, parts of it because I was just like, oh, my God, you're so annoying. Um, but it was also it was also really, really good. I had to skip cast, skip past this one scene where he did something incredibly inappropriate and super cringe. And I was like, I actually can't watch the rest of the next 10 minutes because I can't take I need to just I need to move on for a second. Yeah,
1: but I love hearing that because there are moments where I'm like, Oh, I, I need to just skip. And there's I have always do that fight of like, like you were doing with the do I read the book first or do I watch the adaptation yeah, yeah. first? I do that a lot. And then I also <laughs> do like, Can I just skip like 10,
2: 20, 30 seconds and yeah. move past it? Like
1: yeah, no, I, I don't have time <laughs> for cringe anymore. I'm just like, yep, exactly. Skip,
2: please. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then I'm also trying to rationally or ration my binge watching of Abba Elementary season two because um, they've only put the first 10 episodes here for us in the UK, which is really sad. And the moment I've run out, I'm going to be devastated. Um, it really took all of my being not to illegally stream uh, all the new episodes of season two, but I was like, I want Quinta to get her coins, so I'm going to wait and watch it in the, and watch it when it comes out. And then I saw that the first ten episodes, and I was like, yes. And then I was like, no, it's only ten episodes. Don't watch them all at once. <laughs> so I must I'm, ration. Yeah, I'm trying to ration binge that if that even is a thing. Um, I think so.
1: I I think so. Yeah. She what is. About a gift. You? What are you
2: binging? Oh, she is.
1: Quinta is a gift, and that show is perfection. Like
2: honestly
0: oh
1: and what am I binging right now um I am notoriously terrible at watching anything um <laughs> but I think I will also join you in saying Abbott Elementary because I don't think you can not re-watch it like once you finish it you're like okay well I guess I'll just start over because this is this is the show this is mm-hmm. the humor I've been waiting for mm-hmm. and it calls out the important thing of like the state of our school so
2: <laughs> you know so just good much, things to think on honestly
1: When I say public library, what comes to mind?
2: Ooh, my parents, um, when my sister and I were younger, taking us, actually, let's be real, dragging us, or dragging me in particular, um, I think my sister was happier to go, um, dragging us to um, the library every week to pick out a book um, and put back the previous one, um, make sure we read it that week and tell them about it so it's not just like a, oh you're gonna read it and then I'll have it sit in your shelf or sit on your table they were like what did you read you better tell us what you read <laughs> um yeah it was it was a memory of that because I remember at the time I was like oh guys this is so boring I'd rather be like lying in bed or like playing with my Barbie dolls could we actually do something else <laughs> and they were like no we're going to the library and my sister's like yay and I was like nerd um <laughs> but which they say is really funny now because I think they say that I read more than um my sister does and they were really surprised that like I became the editor because they were like you did not like reading when you were a child. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But people change, people evolve. You know, I've learned. Um, and I've really, really credit them with like the fact that I'm even a writer now because if they hadn't made me read, I would not have been a writer at all either. Um, and I wouldn't have been interested in books. So um, yeah, when I think of public libraries, I think of I think of that when we used to live in Enfield and they'd take us to the library every week.
1: That's, that's magical. I, I love that. <laughs> and I love to hear you going from the kid who was like, No, I want to stay home (laughs) to, I'm an editor. I'm a writer. I'm doing all of these amazing literary world things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know we are at the end of our time together. I could talk to you forever, but where can the listeners find you online? And thank you. I would, would, if I don't stop us now, I'll never stop.
2: (laughs) Why stop? (laughs) Um, uh, They can find me. uh, I don't have Twitter uh, because I care about my mental health. (laughs) but I do have Instagram. (laughs) Uh, So I'm at Ori A. Williams on Instagram and then also my website, which is www.oriawilliams.com. And then there's a link to my Instagram and stuff there as well.
1: Perfect. Well, Ori, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today and to share about your book.
2: Thank you so much. And thank you for just being like a fantastic host and having the best questions. Honestly, fantastic questions. I really could talk to you all day. If you do have time later on in the week, you just hit me up. We can chat. (laughs)
1: That means the world to me and I will absolutely take you up on that because chat forever. But friends, you can check out your copy of The Three of Us on May 16th. Thank you for joining us and as always, happy reading.
0: Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com or in Libby. Our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com.